0: This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org/pets.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network, broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Do you want to know where the place is
2: to eat right now? Yeah, there's an app for that. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 65 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Tuning in right now to Tech Bites, the weekly show on Heritage Radio Network where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. Today, episode 117 on October 26, 2017, if you're listening in the future. Our influencer is... Steve Mangiano, who is the founder of Curit App, which is billed as an anti-Yelp app fueling restaurant and bar recommendations from restaurant and bar professionals. Steve, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. You are in New York on business up from Raleigh.
3: Correct. Yep.
2: So you had a whirlwind visit this I week. I have.
3: It's, been, uh, it's great to be back home. So uh, New York is... Uh, still amazing, and I've spent a lot of time in Brooklyn, which uh, has been fantastic.
2: It's a little bit different, probably, from when you were growing up in Queens.
3: A lot different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Steve is here to talk to us about his app, Cure Eat, but before we do that, we are going to start the show, like we start every show, talking about apps. The one rule is, you cannot talk about an app that you own or work on, because we'll get to that later. So we will go back to our mission control, David Tadishor, who is the HRN studio manager and our engineer. Dave, are we still on the quest for <laughs> yeah. your file transfer app?
0: I, I was going to ask if you've gotten any uh, listener mail to that effect.
2: I have not. Mm.
0: Okay. Have
2: not. Disappointing.
0: Very disappointing. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I was I was chatting with uh, with Steve before the start of the show and. Uh, saying that you know I just I I haven't actually really spent all that much of my time like looking for a solution I figured I would just be lazy and outsource this to and
2: crowdsource it your from audience. the hive mind
0: Yeah exactly but I yeah hopefully I'll uh, just sit down and, and figure this out sometime soon I'm going to I'm just going to try to factory reset my phone and see if that helps like the people at Google suggested I, I don't think it's going to work but we'll see
2: Well, maybe we will go out to the social medias and do a big full court press campaign to find (laughs) an answer for you.
0: I don't know if I want to put myself out there like that exactly. Well, we can do it
2: on the Tech Bytes platform (laughs) and just put a call, call for content, call for suggestions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And and I say that being fully aware that we are on the Internet right now. So
2: 65 countries are tuning in. So it
0: is out there. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah.
2: So if you have a solution for Dave, he is looking for a file transfer program or app. He wants to transfer music files from his desktop to his phone. He wants to do it over a wire or a cable. He does not want to do it over Wi-Fi. Correct. Uh, And
0: and yeah, just to further clarify, it is a desktop application that I'm looking for, not a mobile app, but it, it is an application that will allow me to interface with the file system on my phone. Which is a pixel, the original pixel, not the new two.
2: The original pixel. So if you have a suggestion for him, get in touch with us. You can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org, T-E-C-H-B-I-T-E-S. Or you can tweet us at h r n. You can Instagram us. We're also on Facebook. Lots of ways to reach out and let us know and, and help an engineer out.
0: And I promise to retire this from the show going forward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you're tired of hearing about this, get him off the air by getting him a solution. Yeah, it's like
0: a WNYC
3: fun drive. If you want to shut me up, then,
0: then give me what I want.
2: There we go. Operators are standing by.
3: I had it. There was a guy in a subway once who walked on with a trumpet and said, you know, if everybody donates and I reach enough money, I will not play this trumpet. So maybe it's like that kind of
2: thing. It's exactly like that. (laughs) It's exactly like that. Steve, do you have an app that you like right now that you're using, or maybe it's an old one that's been on your phone for 10 years that you Um, can't live without?
3: There's a lot of apps I like, but um, I think what comes to mind, the newest one I've been using is Venmo, so that's Mm. been great. And my uh, Taylor, I give her a shout out, my director of marketing who had a purchase and said, you know, I need to be reimbursed and convinced me to download Venmo, and I did. So it worked, and it's great. So...
2: It's pretty easy. That was one of the first apps that we talked about way back in 2015 on this show. And I was a little dubious about it. I'm still a little dubious about it, just knowing that all of that finance information is just sort of sitting in there, around there. But all the information is just sitting in there, around there, between online banking and all of those things. Yeah,
3: you know what's out there? I mean, I, I think it's become pretty trustworthy now to the extent that anything can be, you know. So it's been working great. I've used it a lot, so...
2: Yeah, it is nice. I have that on my phone. It's very helpful. I actually also have a, f- a friend, and initially I got Venmo to uh, pay her back for something. And she was the only person I was using Venmo with. So my entire Venmo history was an interesting snapshot of our friendship over the course <laughs> of a few months because it was just the two of us passing back and forth money for different things that we were doing together together. So it was kind of funny and it made me think that I should perhaps write a you know, write yeah. a little story or a screenplay or something like that. I think you there's know, a Venmo the friendship story there. Yes. You know, the, the same way Google did that romance via search for the Super Bowl commercial, could do sort of like a My Friendship via Venmo. I thing. think that'd be fun. It's very funny. Yeah. So my app this week is called M to M, Made to Measure. It is an app um, that Made to measure is basically all about fashion. It's pretty great. Uh, it's an app. I find the app works a little bit better than the desktop, but it has fashion show videos, it has full-length feature films, it has short films, it has news, it has series, it has interviews, photography, um, some things very, very up-to-date, the current, you know, spring-summer shows for 2018 that just happened. Um, If you heard about the amazing Versace show where they brought back all the big supermodels from the 80s and the 90s and a big tribute to that era, Um, they closed the show playing George Michael's Faith. It was a big fashion moment. Um, They have that. And then they also have great uh, feature films that played in the theaters like Valentino, The Last Emperor or the September issue about Vogue and little you know, two, three, four, five minute short films and things like that. So it's really fun. It's really great. If you're into fashion or documentary film or photography or art, um, it's good and it's free, which I I haven't been able to figure out how they make any money providing all this amazing content, especially the films for free, but it's pretty great.
3: It sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So if
2: you're into it, m to I totally recommend it and um, you download it, you can be Watching watching yeah. a movie before the end of the show.
3: We have a great uh, fashion exhibit coming up in the North Carolina Museum of Art. So, oh, what's um, that about? Uh, it's uh, kind of history of fashion around uh, Ebony, um, and um, so there's a, a lot of events they're doing around it, and um, you know a lot of fashion icons they're bringing in. So it's pretty pretty exciting.
2: Okay, well yeah. if you're planning a trip to the South or maybe looking for a good reason to check it out. Mm-hmm. So Steve Manjano is here, founder of Cure Eat App, as we discussed before: Curate, Create and Eat. We've done a lot of shows on restaurant recommendation apps over the past two and a half years. Um, everyone wants to know where the best places, where the hot places, where the good places, especially in a place like New York City, where there are, you know, upwards of 30, 35,000 places called restaurants. Everybody dislikes Yelp for the most part, or at least that's what people say. Although you wonder who the, you know, something like 28 million mobile users are.
3: I think everybody dislikes it, but they use it and there's, there is some stickiness factor there. So, um, you know, can, um, we built an alternative. I don't know.
2: So as many app founders and as many just inventors and entrepreneurial types of people, they, are typically uh, encountering a problem themselves mm-hmm. and build something to solve their own problems. So in your case, you travel and you were looking for how to find the best place where you were going.
3: Yep. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, both from traveling uh, and being in the industry and around the industry and having friends in the industry. So I think I looked at it from both perspectives. You know, One, solving that problem of you know, going to a city and then coming back and someone go, did you check out so-and-so? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that restaurant was there, you know, just, and using what was out there, using Yelp or whatever to, to try to find it.
2: And then everyone says, oh my God, I can't believe you missed going to right. Roberta's Pizza and you were right you there. You were a block away. Oh my god, right. What's exactly. wrong with you? Exactly. You missed it. Ugh.
3: Or maybe you should have traveled out, all, you know, that far to go there, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> So um, it's also
2: very competitive the restaurant world and restaurant dining it's a very almost you know a competitive sport to make sure you're keeping up with and going to and
3: it, it is and I don't you know we don't necessarily want to be always the latest. I think some of our play you know I, I think the way recommendations are the way I like to describe the app is if you're um, coming to Raleigh where I'm based and we're friends and you're going to text me and say, Hey, where, you know, Steve, where should I eat? Right. And I'm either going to text you back a list or, you know, and what I don't text you back and I'm sure your friends don't text you back is this is four star and this is three and this is two and give you a long review. I kind of say, Hey, here's the places that I recommend. And so what we want to do is kind of digitize that experience, take that and say, Just like in the days before Instagram, everybody had their photos in a photo album, and now we kind of put it all out there for everyone to share and see. We all have our list on an Excel spreadsheet, on a Google map, and, you know, on a piece of paper in your notes files. And if we can begin to put it on the similar platform that has everything else we want, which is how far it is, what's the menu cuisine, you know, can I make a reservation, and we'll build that into the app. Um, all those type of things. And and so that's really our way to solve that problem. And if as a user, if you come on, and obviously all your friends are not on day one. So we bring these guides in which are for us are the curators and are the chefs and bartenders and uh, people in and around the industry. Uh, and we try to curate that as well. And so we bring in select and typically you know we're founded in the southeast so you know we started there and we I think we have a great pool of talent and sort of known quantities that have begin to put and share their list so you sort of have this inside look into the industry and what people are sharing and talking about but then that extends out to your friend network and that's ultimately I think the power of where we're going
2: so We have seen apps and guides that are online, that are digital, that are in app form, that are recommendations from chefs and other restaurant people. We've seen that in the restaurant world. That happens in the uh, wine world also. There's a bunch of wine apps that do that. Make the case for why you're doing this better than anyone else. It's a very, very crowded space. And similarly, everyone has... uh, The same type of argument in terms of, I mean, it basically boils down to Yelp has volume. They're strangers. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances with there. You want people that you, making recommendations for you that you trust, and you either trust them because they're an individual that you know, they're a friend of yours, or they're an individual that you recognize as being an expert chef bartender. Mm -hmm. Um, that's basically the storyline. so what sets what sets this apart from you know any of the other apps that you know have even been on this show?
3: So you know one and i've I've listened to your show, so I, I sort of know some of that, and you made a statement not too long ago where you said, you know it's content, right? Yes, so who has the content and is that content strong, and is the experience within the app? good and navigable and gives the user what they want. And and I think we win and are starting to win on both of those. We, we've taken the tack that, you know, we're in Raleigh, so let's say, uh, you know, prominent chef we have down there is Ashley Christensen, right? And I think most other people's approach is, well, we want to know where Ashley Christensen eats in Raleigh, right? That's great, and I think that's good information to have, and and that's in there, right? But what's really also exciting is Ashley Christensen has her list of where she eats in Nashville and where she eats in New Orleans and New York, and we aggregate that data. So not only do you have Ashley Christensen's list, but you have Barbara Lynch, and you have Chris Shepard, and you have Scott Crawford and Katie Button, and you start to – bring all those in and we're seeing all that talent come in. And so we begin to aggregate that. So now you can dive deep on a single user or single chef that you really respect and want to know and take that list and go with it. Or you can aggregate that content amongst all those chefs and culinary talent and all your friends and really look at it. And we try to strip it down to just really what, you know, what I describe as cutting through that clutter, right? It's sometimes we're getting so much information it's hard to make that right. decision. Right, it's not
2: helpful. There's too much information. Exactly.
3: So we we allow you to kind of you can go deep and have a fun time with that, or you can just kind of look at it at a high level and say, oh, great, five of the curators like this place. It's probably pretty darn good. Let me go and Robertus is a good example where if you're in this area right now, we have ten. You know, we only have two two New York curators, and there's already ten curators that have Robertus on their list. So that begins to you know help direct, you know, someone that are you know I. Obviously, I want the core culinary user in there and the f- person that might read eater and read you know listen to this podcast and 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 all of that. But I think there's also this larger network of people, and I think that's where Yelp has been successful because it's the casual person who still wants to eat good and we know that trend is continuing and all that. but we like we have an intern who's at UNC and you know, I talked to her and, and she's like, oh, all my friends, we love to go out blah blah blah. And I said, well, Do you know this place? No. You know, have you heard of this chef? No. So what we're beginning to see and when we do our user testing is that they're beginning to trust us as a brand that we are actually going out and picking these curators and curating that content and then allowing that user to come in and say, I like the premise. I don't necessarily have to know exactly who, I can discover who Ashley Christensen is or whoever, uh, but I don't have to know that coming into the app. I just know that you're building this brand. And so we care about that. We care about who those curators are and that they represent the community and we're also not just focused on kind of the elite chef right so we've been mentioning kind of these top names but in every community we're building a, you know depending on the size of the community and, and how large that that is but we want to have around 30 or so of the curators that are represent a cross-section so it could be a great barbecue person a great bartender uh, and mix that all together so you can come in at the level that you want to come in.
2: When it does come to chef recommendations, whether it's an app or a website or a magazine article or a piece of advertorial or even a sponsored Instagram post, we tend to see a lot of the same people. Right. Nationally, internationally, there's maybe about 30 or 40 names that we all see over and over and over again. Um, so I think that's an interesting approach to try and create a segment. I also noted that as you just sort of went through the lists of names of chefs, um, you have a really high uh, percentage of women chefs, which is great.
3: Yeah, we, I mean, even
2: just in our casual conversation before the show, when we were talking about who some of your top names are and who you believe your top draws are, they were almost all women that you listed, which I think is fantastic.
3: It, look, this is important. We, you, we really want to be representative of the community and ultimately socially driven. So it's, we want to be diverse in all segments. So whether it's, you know, great Latino chefs and great African American chef and female chefs, um, you know, we want each of those curator communities to be really diverse and really rich and represent that community that eventually as we grow, Part of it is this restaurant finding experience, and that's kind of where we're starting. But I think there's a couple of neat ways we can take this. One is when you land in Raleigh or Atlanta or Charleston, you can go in and say, "Oh, who are these curators?" and get to know them. You can kind of dive deep beyond just the restaurant search. You can kind of, you know, they all put links to their website, and we'll, you know, put a little bit of their bio on there. Secondarily, we also view this. we're starting to, to roll this out slowly, but there's a social component, right? So we want, we, what we want to do is, um, we're, we're just bringing in some aspect with No Kid Hungry. And so what we want to highlight are chefs that work with No Kid Hungry that are curators. And as we build that out, you can now say, well, not only do I want Italian at this price point, but I want to support chefs that are supporting organizations that I care about or that are doing it. And and there's such a huge amount of this industry i mean just look at what jose andres just did in puerto rico right and so how much these chefs give back and how can we get the consumer to stop going in and and just sort of lambasting the one time they had a bad meal and kind of focus on this broader issue and and begin to search um you know on on a little more broader topics than this narrow topic of where can i get the latest hottest great italian pasta meal or something
2: so to start um, making people aware of what restaurants are doing on a social and community level and then hoping that people will connect the dots in that supporting uh, restaurant by Jose Andres supports his ability to be in Puerto Rico for a month after the hurricane feeding. I think I saw a statistic come through my news feed that said he he's fe- he's made a million meals or something like that
3: and more like than that. the Red Cross right more and, than so, the, and so and he's working more directly meals with than FEMA the Red Cross right.
2: and has been down there for 4 weeks and is it, doing an amazing amazing service for people
3: yeah if any of your listeners haven't I'm, I'm assuming they know that but if they haven't they should read about that it's absolutely heroic um, and uh I, I have been talking to some folks uh, at his organization and um, it's interesting that they keep getting people keep st- stating them even if they're contacting them for a different reason, their next statement is oh I wish I was down there with Jose. So I think he's he's kind of captured this moment of um, you know taking that celebrity chef and saying you know there's a way to really impact and do good and you know kind of get and, and we need this now, right We, we sort of need right. this there's there's let's get positive and let's figure out what we can do together to make a difference. Um, and that's really a lot of where I come from and I think where the app comes from is it's not about talking about the places we didn't like or all this kind of it's really just really focused on this kind of positive attributes and, and sharing that, that positivity. Um, and then another layer that we'll add in and we're starting to roll out a little bit is curate experiences. So it's kind of taking that offline then and some of that into, um,
2: into the real life into in the real
3: life. life. So the ability to, uh, you know, interact either, you know. Uh, know what events these folks at, uh, build specific events around it, um, and drive content also to um, the consumers that, you know, care about this. And, you know, what I often describe is, you know, I have a lot of people or friends who live their lives. They're not obsessed with food or restaurants to the way I am, uh, but they care about it enough and would like to be able to pivot quickly and get information that they want um, and it's not always the sort of geekiest, latest thing. It's just real good content. Yeah.
2: Well, everybody wants to spend their time and money, which is so rare these days. I mean, time and money are, are precious commodities for people in busy lives, challenging times. You want to spend your time and money on an experience that you know is going to be good. Yep. I mean, it's kind of what it boils down to. Um, and I think it just needs to be a good experience. It doesn't. I don't know that people necessarily care if it's the super duper ultra multi-star, bestest rated, but when they go and they sit down with their friends and their family, they want to have a good meal and a good experience in a a nice place. I think it boils down to that. I think we're all looking for a way to have a nice experience and to put our resources towards good things. We're going to take a break right now and find out who the amazing company is that put some financial resources towards supporting Heritage Radio Network. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We are very much like public radio and public TV. We keep the lights on and the radio on the airwaves thanks to companies like this one. Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. Today, that innovator is Cure Eat App founder, Steve Mangiano. CureEatApp.com is where you can go to find out more about their free app. It is on iOS and Android. You can find them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at CureEatApp. That's C-U-R-E-A-T-A-P-P, short for curate, kind of a play of curate and eat. Um, It's brand new. They just launched in January 2017. They are expanding across the country, and it is positive restaurant recommendations from chefs, bartenders, and food and beverage professionals. Um, if you want to follow Steve himself, you can follow him on Twitter at S.B. Manjano or S.B. Manjano. They look different to me. M-A-N-G-A-N-O on Twitter and S-B-M-A-N-G-O on Instagram. Does that sound right?
3: should be S-B-Mango, right? S-B-Mango S-B Mango. on, on Instagram. Instagram. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So this is a problem a lot of people are trying to solve. It sounds like you have a couple of different layers that are differentiators for you um, in that you are going to connect the sort of social outreach and social participation of restaurants into the app to sort of highlight those things. Maybe to highlight, you know, that participation to customers so that they can help support restaurants as restaurants help support the communities. Are you going to expand to other groups beyond no kid hungry? Is this the first one? Are you going to
3: yes. have uh,
2: people yeah. make suggestions or?
3: Yeah, I, I think we'll we want to start slow and purposeful. So I think we will we, we that are That
2: is not very Tech entrepreneur startup. (laughs) Slow and purposeful is not something we hear a lot. We hear a lot of like fast and iterate and pivot and iterate more and more and pitch. That's a very interesting point of view.
3: Yeah, well, I I think that particularly when you're dealing with uh, developing a, a curated set of things, uh, I think if you're just sort of going at it willy-nilly and and not purposeful, then you're not really building content. And a lot of what you described earlier, I think there there are a lot of apps that crowd the space that often are not around anymore. Or you know, someone just told me about an app. Oh, there's an app that I knew about, and I went and downloaded it just to check, and it looks pretty much defunct. You know, so it. There's, there's things that um, you know, we are trying to build for the long term and, and have thought about who our curators are and, and got their buy-in. And the same thing we'll do with nonprofits that you know impact the industry. and um, there's like anything else, there's a ton of nonprofits doing amazing things, and we can't possibly include all of them without being overly cluttered. Um, so we have to you know, go with some obvious ones that we really respect and know we're doing great work and that the chefs support. Um, And then we'll build around that.
2: So as a founder, you also have a slightly different point of view from the typical app startup founder. Uh, Many times people are interested in getting tractions and numbers of downloads so that they can do their next round of funding. Um, Many are hopeful to have an exit strategy in anywhere from two to five years and be bought and move on or sell it and move on. Um, or people are looking at this as a almost uh, business school challenge. Can I disrupt an industry? Can I build something that has a little bit of flash and dash and then kind of move on? Um, and all those things are, you know, well and good in the world. And, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But it, it sounds like you are not building this to have an exit strategy.
3: Well, you know, I think everybody has you know, maybe you have that in mind, but the exit strategy has to be able to, to use the word disrupt, right? So it has to be a sustainable entity, you know, that you're exiting to, um, there's a reason, right? It's not just the exit, but it's that you can, that acquire helps your business scale even further, you know, and it, and it has that value. I'd like to, you know, continue to grow and keep that value. I think we have some real, real directional, um, Uh, real direction that we're headed in um and some real impact and you know i think you know we we talked earlier i I do think yelp is uh you know kind of the elephant in in the room and then and that everybody wants to go after uh but doesn't quite know how to do that and um you know we we have to take a different tact and we have to take a longer view of that that's the only way we're going to get there um and and part of that is uh you know Continue to build features in there that meet what the user wants.
2: Do you think you take a different approach to this, possibly from other app startup founders, because you are a part of the restaurant industry? Oftentimes we have people come into the food space and the restaurant space because they are diners at restaurants and they want to build a better restaurant experience for themselves as a customer or they have been reading all of the you know articles and papers and summaries about the crisis in the food distribution system or the food delivery system and they're going to solve it you know again like a like a b school problem but they're outside of the industry coming in and trying to learn about it and ultimately create something for the consumer side there's your history and engagement and involvement in the industry itself perhaps give you a different way of treating these things?
3: I, you know, I'd like to think so. I mean, it's hard to always say the answer that, you know, specifically, but, um, when we were building the app, we, you know, part of my focus was how would the industry solve this problem? If, if the problem is and, and we've all seen in, you know, whether it's Anthony Bourdain or Andrew Zimmerman or whoever recently or the latest has gone off on Yelp, um, south it's, park the south famous park, elk episode right. so you're you can not thing you can go on and on right and and so then how as an industry would we solve that and so part of that is the approach uh, and it and one of our early criticisms so we launched and you know there was an article in raleigh and someone emailed us and said well i would never use this app because if restaurants can't take criticism they shouldn't be in business and so I went back and said, I agree with you 100%. And it's not that the restaurants don't want criticism. or they don't want us to be blasted out in the Yelp sphere um, and not have an opportunity to correct it. Because what we used to do in the old days is tell the manager, let the restaurant know, tell your server, and give them an opportunity to improve it. Everybody has a bad day. We don't know the circumstance beyond that restaurant. And what I know from being a restaurateur, how hard it is to put that plate on that table all the systems that have to happen. And so what we built in the app is the restaurants and the restaurateurs that are listening, please go download the app and claim your restaurant because you're on there. If you're not, let us know. But one, one thing I didn't mention is we only have independent restaurants, so we don't have chains on there because our assumption is if you want to find, find an olive garden, you can go to Google and find it better what, than us. What do, you have, def-
2: what do you define as chain though, just out of curiosity? Yeah, because... so, so
3: right now we keep it broad. Um, so we don't have a hard line on saying, so let's say- shake. Five
2: restaurants or less, 10 restaurants yeah, or less. Yeah, we Independently don't- Independently owned we, restaurant group. Yeah, we, Jose ger- Andres has a dozen. Yeah, places.
3: so so generally what we try to focus on is if they're really a franchise model, right? And so if they're really, that's their growth strategy is to just- so
2: not Shake Shack.
3: Uh, well, so Shake Shack is one of those that's in that gray area, right? Right. And, and, and so, um, you know, it-, it, it we leave it loose right now. I think it'll tighten up as we go over time. The key is, if it's not on someone's list, it really doesn't kind of rise to the top of a search. Um, so some of the... You know, we, we try to err on the side of caution right now and not say... You know, if you land in a city and you know to look for that, then generally that to me is, okay, that's an obvious chain that doesn't need to be in there. There's some that are regional. You, you use the term... uh, It was a few episodes ago, but it was a it was a perfect term. I really like. like, I wish I remember. But it was like a you know kind of this mini chain or micro chain or something like that. And right now, those are on there. You know, will they eventually not be on there? It's hard to tell. You know, we'll let our users drive that. You know, our goal is to cut through the clutter. Um,
2: So if somebody really loves something like. Waffle House. Waffle House has a lot of love in the restaurant world. There's a
3: ton of love. It's and regional, so uh, if uh, you're
2: in, uh, you know, the, uh, there aren't any in the Northeast, uh, Northwest. There might be one in 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 Las Vegas or something like that. They're primarily in the South and in Texas. They're 24 hours. They're kind of you know diner style coffee shop things. They obviously have a huge offering of waffles. They're also famous for their hash browns, which also come in many, many, many varieties. And I mean, I think uh, Andrew Knowlton at Bon Appetit has written many an ode to Waffle House and I think actually went to work there and tried to figure out how to make the hash browns the or something. scattered, the scattered and smoked. So like that's absolutely a chain. It it's absolutely totally is. It's totally a chain restaurant. And, and it, uh, it could be a recommendation of any number of people in an area saying, if you're coming in from out of town, you got to go to Waffle House.
3: It's a good one. That is a pr- And so Jason Stanhope, who's uh, the chef of the fig in Charleston, is making his list and said, oh, I don't see Waffle House. I want to put it on my list. And we just said, look, Waffle House for now is not in the app. So that's a very easy one to answer. But, um, you know, Waffle House is... It is on top of mind. It is on so, and well, if it's someone. A, it's, a,
2: it's a chefy thing. It's a restaurant people thing. It's one of those things they love, and it is a chain. So, yeah, I it's, mean, it's a good. It's a good it, test it,
3: case. It's it's great, but I would say that that's something that um, you know most people know it, and if they want to find where the closest Waffle House is, it's you know, I, th- I think there's a way to do that, right? Google Map. Yeah, so that that's kind of the point. I think that's a it's a good one to illustrate it. If, if you're specifically looking because you want to find Waffle House, there's a way to do that. I don't think someone's going to use our app to try to discover. Waffle House. It just seems to be would be an odd way to use our app for that. Um, So, you know, know, so we keep it, you know, fairly gray, you know, we don't we don't try to, you know, I want to help businesses grow. And I want to drive business to independent users. And I want to take that, you know, what I often describe is that Ruth Chris customer, can we move them to an independent experience at the same price point? Can we move the Olive Garden customer to a similar experience at the same price? point? can they support local can we, you know, can put some value-driven decisions in that? Can we be a voice for the independent restaurants? You know, I, I, what I always say is I'd, I'd shut the business down before we charge a restaurant or charge a curator. So we're not, you know, again, a way we're different from Yelp and, and some others where we're not trying to build on the backs of the restaurants where I know the margins are low. And um, the other aspect that I was going to is we have a feature in the app, and, and back to that uh person that commented when we launched that, that you new know, restaurants need to take criticism. So we have a feedback feature. So if a restaurant claims their page, first of all, they can control their image. So no one else is putting images on there. So if you go, um, you know, I often, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, pick on Ashley again, but she's, she has a restaurant called pools down there in Raleigh. She's added a description, put pictures of that. She controls on there. So you can, you know, often people do decide based on pictures. That's what they use Yelp for. But oftentimes those images are not good, or there are uh, some half-eaten sandwich or something like that. So the restaurant can control that, and then there's a feedback button. So they can, the user can hit that button, and say, "Yep, everything was great. Thanks for you know an amazing meal," or let them know, you know, with a really simple sort of down, uh, thumbs down, that service was bad or food was bad, and that gets emailed to the restaurant. And the and then the can, user can choose to yes, I want a response back and the restaurant can give that back. So there are some venues for that. You know, Open Table does a little bit of that, but we really, it's part of that core. And again, looking at Yelp and saying, okay, rather than complain out there, give that to an opportunity to improve and an opportunity to make that experience better for you.
2: I think to your point, we, we've had some apps and services on the show, which are feedback, customer mm-hmm. service, review services. And uniformly... Restaurants say they absolutely want that feedback because they want to make the best experience possible. That's why they open restaurants. I think the thing people object to most is the public thrashing. Yes. And then the sort of pile-on, almost mob mentality. I think the other thing that they object to is that now, with Yelp and all these other online forums, there absolutely is the type of person who is using these forums the same way you would use Twitter or sending a complaint letter to any business just as a as a systematic protocol to get stuff. To get a free this, to get a free that, to get an upgrade, to get a something, to get a something. So and it's a small percentage, but it's a it's it's active enough that, you know, sometimes restaurants You know, they they pay very close attention to things, especially if it's a small restaurant. You would know if somebody went crazy in your dining room on a Thursday night if you only have 40 seats. So, if stories don't match and things like that, the the restaurant is going to always bear, you know, the brunt of any negative commentary, whether it's accurate or not. And the motivation of the commenter is not always. You know, genuine or sincere. It's it's often motivated by wanting to get something specific.
3: And and I think that that's why you know I'm hoping obviously that we're the one that succeed. But I think there needs to be a new conversation out there. There needs to be an app like ours. And you know, if it's someone that's doing something similar and the public latches onto them, great. You know, all power to them. Um, You know, we're trying to build that interface that will reach a more mass audience. You know, probably won't be all the masses, but. Uh, if we can take some of those millions of users and get some over using a more positive platform and become a, a more ubiquitous state. And, you know, what I always argue is, you know, what does a rating system mean? You know, mostly everyone is a four on Yelp or anything else. You know, and when I talk to people, they're like, oh, well, I know, you know, a strategy. I take out the highest one and the lowest one, and then I have this in my head algorithm, and that's how I figure out where to go. And that's, you know, to me, that's all BS. That's all. You know these arbitrary. We've gotten trained. That person's trained on like
2: this. a rocket scientist. Yeah, they can do algorithms in their right. head. <laughs> so, but that and then a human
3: or, computer. You know, or I read the review, and I've read you know, and I can tell which ones are doing good reviews and not. And you know, that, and that may be true. I'm not you know going to deny that. But it's. I, I just think that we've gotten trained on a system of ratings and reviews that, um, you know, are not don't have any true scale, are not really based on anything. And I think I just. You know, but personally, I think there's an easier and better way to do that.
2: So. Plus, then what happens is if you're really serious about the other reviews anyway, you have to follow any reviewer or guidebook or entity for a little while and figure out if they resonate with your taste because the mm. reviewer or the guidebook may not be aligned with your point of view. Right. What, I, what I always used to do back in the day when you would go to the bookstore and you would buy <laughs> a travel guide book to go visit another country or another city I would go and I would look at the offerings for the city I was going to and then I would read the New York City version because I know New York City and I know what I like and I know what I don't like. So I would read the New York City version and see if they if they got it right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't, but if I agreed with what the New York book said, then I would buy the book for, you know, Kyoto or Boston or whatever it was because that's the only way I could figure it out. Yeah. So I think also the The knowing who the personal entity is of the chef or the bartender and having some baseline around what their point of view is, you can see if you line up with them.
3: I I think that's right. And I think we take that approach that, you know, I really like this particular person's style or Or I like their restaurant restaurant or their restaurant. And how do I align around there? And we aggregate that. And we also try to make it simple because I think what you just described and, and what I described is... There's a lot of time and effort in there, and there are some users that are really able to do that. But that may be the user that's, you know, reading every issue of Bon Appetit and following Eater really closely. And that's great. I mean, those are amazing sources, right? And the research, the reporting and all that is fantastic. But that's not every user. And if we really want to begin to change that conversation, what I want is those core users like that. I want their list, right? I want them to come in and use this as a tool and say, hey, I might not use, I may use Curie to discover new restaurants and it's great and, and, and I want them to, but I want their content because I think those people are on top of that and can then influence in a very positive way and oftentimes those are not people that are on yelp today right they're not writing reviews in there There, there's
2: a group of people that are i'm not on yelp and i never look at it i never use it i don't you but you probably have amazing
3: all. lists that you share, and your people and people go to you and say, people "Where do always you go?" Ask. Right? So people you always so, ask. so come on, make your list, <laughs> and you can forward the list. You can share those lists. So we have a lot of those tools built in there, and those that needs to live somewhere, right? Those lists. So this is an opportunity to sort of, you know, what I would encourage, what I would assume most of your users are the ones that people are going to for for that, and so. Um, You know, the more and more content we get on, then the more we can grow that audience and the more. The other thing, one of the things that I think we're different is that we are, you know, we do scale nationally right now. We can scale internationally pretty easily as well, the way we've designed it. So um, it's not just about New York and Food and Wine had a great article and I love their angle on us which, which was, we've come out of an unexpected place, right? We're in the Southeast. It's not a tech hub. No. It's becoming a little bit of a food thing, but we're still, you know, the Southeast. And so, um, so we have, you know, you can be on, you know, we have a, a curator who's in outside of Savannah on, you know, Seattle and Georgia who has this great list of these side roads throughout Georgia, you know, and the, Zagat Guide is not getting down there, you know, Bon Appetit may do an article, but it's going to get lost in all their other content, you know, so. So
2: you're going to make it from the outroads in.
3: Yeah. And we're going to take a different approach because I think it's pretty easy to find great places to eat in New York. That is not necessarily the hardest thing to do in the world. it's a question
2: of which list you want to follow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, Steve. It sounds like you have a, I mean, it sounds like you have an interesting point of view and exciting things happening, and, you know, we'll be curious to, to hear how it goes as you progress and bring on more cities and bring on the live Curate experiences, which we didn't get to talk much about. So keep in touch and let us know what's happening. Um, if you are interested in listening to some of the other restaurant app episodes, we have episode 111, which was Gebni which is a discount delivery app. We have episode 109, which had two recommendation apps. One is called Etch, one is called Tell. And we had one episode 61, Foodie App, which was sort of a cross between Instagram and restaurant recommendations. We should maybe go back through and see how many of the apps are still online and how many have closed and and take a look at that, because now we have some runway of history. At the end of the show, I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of advice that people can use in real life. And you... Describe yourself a little bit as a serial entrepreneur. You have that entrepreneurial spirit and like to start businesses. What's your best piece of advice for somebody listening who is about to start a business, whether that's a tech business, a restaurant business, a hotel business? What's your best piece of advice to them?
3: What I always say is, The highs are never as high as you think they are, and the lows are never as low as you think they are. So what you have to do is sort of have a plan, have a strategy, follow that. And you're going to have these amazingly great days where, you know, whatever you want to achieve is starting to happen very easily. And as easily the next day, something that you didn't expect to go wrong did, and you just continue to persevere and go through, and that's how you get to the end game. And so... um, it, everyone describes entrepreneurship as this sort of roller coaster ride, and I think if you kind of keep yourself centered and know that those, those things are gonna happen, um, you'll you'll get to the end game that you want to get to.
2: That's a great piece of advice and one that we've not heard yet. Great. So I appreciate that, Steve. I want to thank you for coming on Tech Bites. Tech Bites is hosted and produced by Jennifer Leutzi, engineered by David Tadishor. Our theme song, Nomad CPU track, is by the DJ Uptown Nico. We broadcast live on heritageradionetwork.org every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can subscribe to us and listen to us on demand on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Radio, and Simplecast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.